Hello, and welcome to Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, where every week we discuss some new scientific misconceptions with the hope that you learn something you didn't already know about the world. I'm here with my co-host, Camden. Pull your socks up and get to work, Hanslick Burton. And joining me is my co-host, Margaret. Is that a fire? We should call someone. Hanslick Burton. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show! share something we're excited about. Um, Margaret, you go first this week. Okay. Uh, so this week I started a new volunteer gig, job, position, at a wildlife rehab center. Um, and it was my very first day. I've gone through a couple uh, rounds of training and I got to do a lot of cool things. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited that I get to do it every week. For example, I got to offer fish to um, two bald eagles, you know, without looking at them. I left it for them, but still, I I helped to feed them. Um, Made food for a lot of ducks, cleaned out some duck ponds. Um, Yeah, just did a lot of of that. I cut a quail in half because um, raptors are really bad at portion control, so you have to do it for them. I learned I have something in common with raptors. <laughs> You're bad at portion control? Yeah. I've never That's seen better than a... me, me loving quails. Quail. Yeah, huh? A raw, a raw quail, yeah. Um, so I'm really enjoying it. I'm really excited. I really just like the feeling of helping out animals um, and knowing that they'll get to hopefully return to the wild. So, yeah, it's great. Do you guys, like, do they publish or, you know, put on social media when they release animals or... I don't think like, so. I don't know how for How do sure. people know how fast they get released? Is it just sort of a thing you just sort of, they they have the respect. Yeah. And you just know that well, at I think, some point they do it I when think it's if right. you brought the animal, so like say you brought a duck to the center. I know where a lot of ducks are. Sure. We live by a lake. Um, but if you brought a duck to the center, I think they will email you with the progress. Oh, that's cool. I believe. I believe. Only um, one way to find out. Bring a duck. Bring a duck. Yeah. No. What are you excited for or excited about? I went on this senior trip with our senior class last week. So we went to Friday Harbor, which is part of the San Juan Islands in Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been mentoring the same group of seniors or the same group of students for four years since they were freshmen and now they're seniors. Uh, The 19 of them that I've had the whole time. And so we just had like a senior class trip together. Um, it was really nice. Got to go on a walk along the beach. Got to have campfires, roast marshmallows. That sounds really nice. Yeah, it was really nice. And it was nice to have that time with the seniors and see how far they've grown. And I got to celebrate the fact that all of them were accepted and confirmed to go to college next year. That's really exciting. It's a big thing our school does is that we shoot for 100% of all students 
being accepted into a four-year college or university. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we push really hard, too, for them to all enroll, oh. too. And yeah. so I got to 100%. So that's cool. That's great. You should be really proud of yourself and them. I worked very hard. Yes, you did. I will take a small compliment (laughs) for that. And uh, yeah, it was, but it was like four years in the making. So it was cool to start to see the the fruit of that labor really come out. Yay. Congratulations. Thanks. So let's head into the main segment of the show, which are the misconceptions. Every week, we'll each bring a new scientific misconception to share, explain, and discuss. And as a note, as always, each co-host researches their misconception on their own, doesn't tell the other person, and so they're just as surprised as you are with what we're bringing to the table. Um, So that way it doesn't feel like a lecture, it feels more like a conversation. So let's flip a coin. I'm using air quotes here. Uh, because tradition. we never have a coin. Yeah, we never have a coin. <laughs> and see who goes first. So what, what are we flipping this time? Um, I have um, this little piece of paper that I'm... It's part of a card I'm making for a friend's birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Erica. Um, and one side has the stamp that I put on it, and one side doesn't. So I'm going to flip that as best I can. Which side do you want? Stamp. You want stamp? Okay, ready? Yep. Come on, stamp. Hey, it never flips like a worthless (laughs) coin. Okay, go ahead. Um, Margaret? Yes? What did you just spit out a bit ago? Gum. Gum. You know what we know about gum when you swallow it? Um, it's, I, oh, I feel like I should say that it never digests. Well, I don't think it digests. I, I think that's true. It doesn't digest. But it's apparently supposed to stay in your stomach for seven years. It is supposed to stay in your stomach for seven years. Which I've never believed, because I swallow my gum all the time. I know. Well, that is a misconception uh, that your gum doesn't digest, Mm -hmm. uh, and that it stays in your stomach for seven years. Um, So let's unpack the misconception about gum and digestion with gum. Great. What is gum made out of? Plastic. Why do you say that? Because I was just researching it the other day um, for my environmental blog, Two Birds, One Scone. TwoBirdsOneScone.org. Oh. Plug. Plug. Wait, they, this, this they is, employ this us. This is on this. Yeah. They don't employ anyone. They, they are me, and there's Anarchy. no money involved. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, so I was... Because gum is like one of the most littered things. Like People stick it places besides um, cigarettes. But it's one of the most littered things. If you've ever seen ugh, the gum wall in Pike Place, oh, oh. That's an attraction. And we're trying to get them as a sponsor. It is a, ugh, whatever the opposite of an attraction is. Detraction? That's it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I think it's mostly made from plastic, except for like organic gum, which I've tried, and it is. Yucko. Yucky. So that's hard. Is, is that it? too much information? Um, no. <laughs> plastic? So I've got a I've got a live audience here. Got a, you you really came prepared with a lot of gum research. Mm-hmm. Um, so gum consists of three main parts: it has resin, which is chewy; it has wax, which is soft; and it has elastomers, which makes it elastic or stretchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and these used to be derived uh, naturally from like oh. I don't know what I'm going to say. Cane, cane sugar. Guam. What? Mm. Yeah. No, I'm not on the right you, track. You Guar? 
No, you go ahead. Yeah. Why don't you say? Why don't so, you just say? Well, the There's most famous on one my... that I knew. Oh, go ahead. You might be something with the G word, but um, I know Want it them. mostly from like chicle, which is from cheese tree sap. Okay. Um, so it's derived that way, or had been derived that way, um, which is also how we discovered initial rubber. Um, and that doesn't, that hasn't changed, even though all of our gum today pretty much is synthetic. Mm. Um, just like all the rubber we have pretty much now is synthetic. Um, it does actually mean we are chewing on what is synthetically almost rubber or in synthetically part of different plastics. Um, so those, all of those three parts that I mentioned, uh, the resin, the wax, the elastomers are all synthetically derived which does mean gum actually has a very stable shelf life. Um, if it has an expiration date, which it probably does, it doesn't really mean much. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course there are sweeteners and um, artificial flavors added too so that you're not chewing on chewy, sticky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you are, but it's sweet. Or bubblegum flavored or mint flavored. Right. Or lemon flavored. Yeah, I love lemon flavored gum. Mm-hmm. Um, I did also... As normally happens in all this research, learn that when gum, there's an idea that when gum loses its flavor, yes, some of the flavor is being absorbed um, by yourself and you're, it's being lost. There's also an idea that your taste buds actually might be becoming like saturated mm-hmm. with those tastes. And so it kind of is like dulled the sense of that flavor. But isn't that easily testable? Couldn't you like, I just spit out this gum... Put it back in your mouth. Could I like go drink a glass of water, wait an hour, and yeah. then put it back? Well, I guess the quest. I'm a thousand percent sure it would not taste like fresh. Right, milk. but the the idea is that you it is still losing flavor. Mm. So it's like a small like yes, it's losing flavor, and also maybe you're becoming you're making them a little dull to it. Anyway, that's a tangent. What happens when you swallow it? Well, a we know gum doesn't have much nutritional flavor or value. Mm-hmm. Um, it has flavor. It has nothing much else to it. Um, so swallowing it is more out of convenience. As someone who never swallows their gum... <laughs> You're missing out. I have... No, I'm not. <laughs> and I think I might convince you in just a second that you aren't oh, either. Um, it's, I would say it's convenience, right? You're like, I can't throw this away. Yep. I don't have anything to throw this away and I'll mm-hmm. just swallow it. Yeah. Um, so read an interview with a Duke gastroenterologist... Um, and they also shared in this that swallowing gum, yes, is mostly safe. And in general, swallowing anything less than the size of a quarter is mostly safe. And so you'll, I'm good to go for marbles then. Yes. Marbles, um, <laughs> all those nickels that you've always wanted to store <laughs> but didn't want to carry in your pocket. Yep. Dimes, pennies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, half dollars are out no quarters, no. Wait, what was the size limit? Uh, smaller than a quarter. Smaller than a quarter, okay. And basically, can you guess why smaller than a quarter? Oof, because is that like exactly the size of your windpipe or something? Basically the smallest tubes in your body, Oof. that is smaller. And yeah, it is the esophagus they worry about most. Um, yeah, just breathing is kind of the most important thing. If you have like a blocked intestine, you can deal with that a little bit over a longer period of time than a blocked windpipe. Mm-hmm. Um, however, all of those synthetic parts of gum are not digestible, so they do just pass through your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interview with the enterologist did 
he raised a great point, which is, what does gum stick to? Mm, itself. Okay. What else does gum stick to? Surfaces. Yeah. A lot of surfaces. Mm-hmm. A lot of things. And basically his thought was... Oh, God. Whatever you wouldn't want gum to stick to outside of your body, consider the fact that it will stick to that inside your body, too. Because it doesn't really dissolve or digest. Okay. You have a face. I have a face of... Now I'm imagining, like, you know, like a rock climbing wall? (laughs) You know? Yeah. You know, like a rock climbing wall, and I imagine all those little rock, like, toe holds and finger holds are all gum, and that's inside my body right now. Yeah. Is that accurate? Well, so there are stories, and I read some weird stories. One was, in a combination of don't swallow coins, I this little girl that. had swallowed, like, nickels. Okay, I wasn't um, doing that. But they had stuck to the gum she had swallowed, and that had actually blocked some of her intestines, and she had to have surgery to have it removed. There's other more common examples of people actually tearing their intestinal Stop. lining. Stop! Is this only... Did oh, you only sorry. do this as Earmuffs. a lecture? Um, what? Did you only do this whole misconception as a lecture for me? No, I actually again? just kind of thought it'd be like, yes, and then I figured I would learn a little bit more about uh. digestion. But I didn't even consider this... One of the most dangerous things, and a lot of people who com- who have had intestinal like tearing, Stop. it Ugh. came from people who swallowed gum and were frequent chewers of seeds. Okay, I'm not that. But you could consider probably many people have done that, especially if chewing is like a fixation you have. Yeah. Uh, as you know, like a lot of people who don't smoke anymore mm-hmm. or have had other oral fixatives like chew gum or... Yeah chew sunflower seeds or other types of now, seeds. Now, I just want to clarify, when Kim had said, as you know, smokers Oh, that have quit, yeah, Margaret's not a smoker. I've, I've, I'm not a That's, smoker. We just know people that that yes. is true for. Right. Just to clarify. To clarify. Um, yeah, and so basically, someone, the enterologist described it as a porcupine ball Stop. inside your body. Oh my god. Um, so, be Ooh. very careful about what you eat if you swallow your gum. Um, otherwise, it will pass in a normal couple of hours, like it would for most, any other food. Okay, so you're, what you're saying is, like, I don't have, like... Okay, to, to also be clear, I do not swallow my gum all the time. I do not swallow it all the time. She I'm just... it a lot. No, I don't. I'm just willing to do it if there's not another alternative. Right. But you're saying that, like, if there's not, like, some other substance that's, like, gonna get all sticky with the gum... And, like, block it. It should just go through normally. Like, I don't have... You don't have, like, nine years or seven years worth of gum Correct. In your body. It still passes through your okay. body. Okay. The same as anything else smaller than a quarter should pass through your body. Okay. So I'm less grossed out and less worried now. Although, thinking about it, for what... Like, what help is swallowing the gum? Like, you have avoided having to get rid of it mm-hmm. for couple hours but then it just comes right back out if i might be so frank you may not i just was i wonder if there might just be like take the time to throw it out however as we think about this i do want to end on the note of when you do throw it out consider putting it back in its wrapper or napkins or in something else because as you were saying Mm -hmm. it is not only digestible it is also not biodegradable Mm -hmm. um it is made of plastic 
there are like pieces, there are plastic, uh, synthetic plastics that are in it. There are synthetic rubbers that are in it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not biodegradable. And in fact, if I can make a plea for, yes, we shouldn't put bits of plastic out in the world. Like if you spit this gum out in the like grass or something, mm -hmm. there's another thing that is commonly in gum. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Especially in sugar-free gum. It is xylitol. Yeah, very good. I was going to say zooxanthellae, but that's not right. What's that? Um, it's marine and related. Just keep going. Okay. Uh, <laughs> xylitol, an artificial sweetener in sugarless gum, um, also found in mouthwash, toothpaste, and other... It's just an artificial sweetener in sort of... Like dental thing. minty things. Yeah, dental, min like. dental mint things. Mm -hmm. Um, is extremely toxic to dogs. Mm -hmm. I went down a small rabbit hole where I wanted to know why. Um, it is an artificial sweetener. Um, however, to non-primates, so non-primates, mm -hmm. dogs, cats, birds, everything, Iguanas. it actually is mimics glucose in the, in the bloodstream. So it's absorbed into the bloodstream of those animals. Mm -hmm. Those animals are tricked into thinking that they have high blood sugar. They actually have no blood sugar, and their livers fail. Oh, my God. In fact, the uh, VCA Animal Hospital, I went on their website. They said anything over two sticks of gum, and xylitol levels are actually not very stable. So they're, they kind of fluctuate based mm -hmm. off the brand and flavor mm -hmm. um they said for safety anything over two sticks of gum that you think an animal has ingested could be fatal within a couple hours oh my God. um because they their their body can instantly go into like what like liver failure liver failure mm -hmm. um and extremely low blood sugar well i know it's also in um it, it's a sugar substitute in more than just, like, minty dental things because it's also a concern about peanut butter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, when we first started babysitting our beautiful dog niece, Billy, um, her parents said, like, you can give her peanut butter, just make sure it's, like, it doesn't have any of that in it because sometimes, like, if you're looking for, like, a low-calorie yeah. peanut butter with no, with no, like, sugar in it, you might find... The kind with the, say that word again? Xylitol. Xylitol in it. So you have to be really careful. Mm -hmm. And especially, yeah, peanut butter, since that's, since that's like a favorite that of dogs. dogs. So just be really careful. And yeah, that's a really good reason not to throw your gum on the ground. Yeah. Because you could kill a dog. Well, you could, well, my point is, at the end of this, it's non-primates. It's, you can kill any animal. Yeah. And think about how many animals would want to taste something sweet. Yeah. Um, so Me. I'm never spitting my gum out again. I know I've done it a lot what of times. What have you done it? What do you spit mean? gum out? Like, just mean... like through my life, I've spit gum out like outside. Oh my gosh. I'm learning new things about you. You swallow you're, your gum. You're a litterer. I'm not littering. I'm murdering. It's different. Oh my oh. gosh. Sorry. We'll, we'll get that in, <laughs> we'll get that in post. Um, yeah. Don't spit your gum out. Don't swallow your gum unless you just okay. want to okay. hang on to it for a couple more hours. Okay. Or just spit it out. But you you never know when you're going to be in a situation like where, like, you're trash. chewing gum and someone, like, gives you a piece of cake. What? <laughs> what? Or, like... Finish that thought. Or, you know, you got a glass of, like, you know, you got some juice and you've got... Both your hands are full. There's no trash cans around. What? We've all been there. Anyway... 
I will not swallow my gum anymore. I will not do it. Oh, and as a public service announcement, if you think an animal has ingested xylitol, you can call the national uh, hotline for animal uh, poison, animal poisoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is 800-213-6680. A good number to have handy if you think your pet or someone else's pet or some sort of animal has ingested it. Thanks, Camden. That was yeah. a good misconception, and I will not swallow my gum anymore. Sorry, louder and I, into the uh, microphone. I will not swallow my gum anymore. Thank you. Your turn. My turn. So it's funny you mentioned dogs. Uh-oh. Because Oh, that's... you should explain why you say that. Why? Because we almost got freaked out. Oh, yeah. So we don't tell each other what our misconception is, but usually we'll just say, like, okay, what's, what's, a, what's your key word? What? Yeah. What's your key word from your misconception? So. And I said dog. And you said dog, and I was like. And then your eyes widened. Uh oh. Uh oh. What about dogs? And you said what about dogs? And I said years. And you said okay, no, we're fine. Yeah. I really thought like we're just not recording tonight because. I thought we could just cover whatever topic we had both chosen in great detail. Oh. But luckily. That would have worked too. Didn't matter because we chose different things. Mine is also about dogs. Camden, how many human years are in one dog year? Very interesting, too, that since gum doesn't right. last in your body seven years, <laughs> is also, I'm guessing, not true that dog years are equivalent to seven human years. Yep. Yep. So not seven. That's right. That's right. So to start out with, I got almost all of this information from a wonderful article from Business Insider Australia by Jessica Orwig. Do so we, thank do we you. fact check her? Uh, she seemed pretty trustworthy. Mm. She's a good writer. Earmuffs, kids. Um, so I've heard, as I'm sure we all have my whole life, that there are seven human years in one dog year. So if your dog is one year old, how long has it been alive in human years? You even give me a, a factor to multiply by. You just no, gave me the, just, the just base. Just to keep it basic. Seven. Yeah, seven, seven. So, <laughs> but when you really think about it, this ratio doesn't make any sense because, first of all, there are many different breeds of dogs. Mm. Many different breeds of dogs. And to have one overarching like umbrella rule of, you know, 1 to 7 is silly and not going to be accurate. Um for example, typically, typically larger dogs live shorter lives than smaller ones, although we don't completely know why that is. There's a lot of different factors. Um, so larger dogs don't live Hmm. as long as smaller dogs. Wait, they don't live as long? Yeah. Oh, okay. So larger dogs, shorter lifespan, smaller dog, longer lifespan. Um, and so for that reason alone, we know that this idea of one of our years is equal to, wait, seven, oh dear. One of their years is equal to seven of our years. We're just going to assume that's always what you mean. (laughs) That's what I mean. If, If I say something different, that's what I mean. So that's not true. Um... Another reason it just doesn't work is that dogs' life stages are also vastly different than ours. They're, they go through life stages really differently. They develop more quickly than we do. And they can reproduce at around one year of age, which is seven human years, which just biologically, seven-year-old human people cannot reproduce at seven years old. Um, so dogs are young adults at a year old, and if you've ever been around seven-year-old humans at all, are they full adults, Camden? Can they make decisions? 
No. No. I have met rational adults (laughs) who aren't rational. I've just met adults who I don't think were making full decisions. Sure. So, anyway, so that's not true. They just, they develop really quickly. Dogs develop really quickly. We don't. Um, and just like the, the one or the seven, seven human years to one dog year doesn't make sense at the beginning of a dog's life. It also doesn't make sense at the end of their life. Um, if we use the seven to one year comparison, human and dog life expectancies don't match up in many cases. Sometimes they do, sometimes they do, but a lot of times they don't. You look confused. I was trying to do quick math. It's like a 13-year-old well, dog is hold on. 81. I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. So, for example, a Scottish Terrier, very cute, as are all dogs, they have a life expectancy of up to 16 years. So, what's 16 times 7? 70 plus 6 times 7, which is 42. 112. 112. And 112 is an age that most humans do not attain. Some do. I mean, it's true. if no, we go with right, Chris Traeger's, right. what is it? What does he say? Like body's a microchip. No, the oh. doctors or scientists believe that the, the first f- human to live to 150 has already been born. I believe that human is me. Oh yeah. Good call. Parks back. And rec. Anyway. So 112 is not an age that most humans reach. The inaccuracy is even more stark when we think about really, really old dogs. So I found out the oldest dog on record how long do you think the oldest oh. dog on record lived to be? Um, uh, 29. Did you look? No. Wait. Yeah. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to cut in some like celebratory music <laughs> after this. Yeah. The oldest dog on record was Bluey, an Australian cattle dog. I was like... Was that just a blue whale? No. Okay. <laughs> blue whales live about 90 years. Sure. Um, an Australian cattle dog who was born in 1910 and lived for 29 years and five months. Also, I, those aren't like small dogs either. They're but, like medium-ish dogs. Yeah, sure. but this was a very special case. I don't know why. Very I'll save you some dog. time doing math. 29 times oh. 7 is 203, which is has never been attained by anybody. The longest... Um, a human has r- lived on record was 122, which is nowhere near 203. Mm. So just not accurate. The point is that different dogs age in different ways and their life stages are incredibly different than ours. So it makes having an accurate ratio of their years to ours is really difficult. Um, in her article, No, a dog year is an equivalent to seven human years, Jessica Orwig that I mentioned earlier she gives this chart of an accurate comparison of human years to dog years, depending on the weight of the dog. And it's really involved, and there's not one nice, quick, clean rule. So, Is there a, at least like a ish, like no. 5.6? No, not really. Uh, no, no, I know. But that's the thing. It's like, we just need to accept that there isn't a ratio. Dogs just have a different lifespan than, our, uh, than we do. They age differently than we do. How do I know when their midlife crisis is? Okay. Just ask, Camden. Oh. Just listen. When they, They'll tell you. They buy a Mustang. <laughs> um, and I think that's a general good rule for us because where I work, we have a lot of different animals with a lot of different life stages. And it's hard for a lot of people to grasp the fact that not every animal is going to live to be 85 years old. And that's okay. And they're not meant to. They're not meant to. For example, 
the giant Pacific octopus, do you remember their lifespan? Oh. The longest of any octopus? 60? Oh, no. I don't remember. The longest of any, uh, the, the giant Pacific octopus's lifespan is two to three years, or three oh. to five years, sorry, three to five years. I'm so stupid. No, no. I must not work at an aquarium. <laughs> three to five years, but a lot of people are like, oh, no, that's so sad, but it's not because... They have different needs. Man, they I was have, way off. You were. I'm not gonna get over that. <laughs> they have different needs. They have they have different bodies. They have different developments than we do. They aren't meant to live that long. They would not. There's just they're not meant to. They're not meant to, and so it's okay. So with the dogs, it's like just accept that their lives are different than ours, um, and don't worry about how old your dog is compared to you. Just don't worry about it. So real talk. Am I allowed to play this back to you? In a couple of years, regarding if there were dogs in our lives oh, that were to pass away. Lives. Oh my God! No, 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 dog. I can't play this back to you. So I want to. I want to mention that this this um, misconception is dedicated to my dog at home, Oliver, who is. Um, studies have shown the most perfect dog in the world. He is a Schnauzer Poodle mix. Studies paid for by you. Like we. It's should. not important. It's not okay. important. Um. But verified by me as well. What? He's 12, and he's beautiful, and he's perfect, and he's amazing, and kind, and he has soulful eyes. Um, <laughs> and he's going to live to be a... Um, 30. I want to say... I would say, like, forever, but that's not kind either. So I would say just a long, healthy life of at least 50. Got it. Um, And... With him and with all the dogs, just don't worry about their lifespan compared to yours and just love them really, really hard every single day. Tell them you love them. Give them a million kisses on the mouth. Um, and just enjoy the fact that they're dogs and they're perfect. Thanks, Margaret. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before ending each episode, we have a short segment sharing something interesting we've read, listened to, watched, or otherwise consumed this week. Camden. Um, I have a podcast that I enjoy that I just finished the second season of that I figured I would share. Um, I don't think I've shared it before. Work Life? You share it with me on a personal level, but Great. Yeah. not on here. So the think. podcast Work Life with Adam Grant, which I think is actually the full title, is produced by Ted of Ted Talk fame. Oh. Um, it's this, Adam Grant is this work psychologist. Uh, he actually works... I forget. He is employed by a university and is like a research psychologist and specifically in workplaces. And so he'll go in there and study employees and for all across the, you know, the scale of CEOs to, you know, entry level positions, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, looking at all sorts of things. But his podcast, he's sort of collected these stories from people he's interviewed and talked to in the past and companies he's been to. Mm -hmm. Um, And each episode sort of is themed around like one thing about being at work. And so there are episodes about how to get along with people you don't like and um, how do you work from home and like how do you be honest with people at work. And um, I think some of the, the three I would recommend to start with, I in the first season, there's one where they interview Trevor Noah and the writing staff of The Daily Show. Yeah. Um, and talks about creativity, which is really interesting. Um, they interview Ariana Huffington about work-life balance. 
um, which I think is very interesting because obviously she does a work super hard and, Mm -hmm. um, but she has some good insights about that. Help me spoiler, get my email off my phone this year, which has been great. Mm -hmm. And this season there was a really good one about, um, pursuing your passion and why that's not always the best advice. Um, the spoiler is yes, you should have passion, but pursuing your passion is not actually the best advice for that. Mm-hmm. So especially if you're like a like a thief, you know, if that's your passion, you probably shouldn't. Do they talk? Do they? They probably mention yeah. That. They probably you mention ruined it. it. That's why I'm frustrated. <laughs> uh, yeah, work life with Adam Grant. My thing that I've been consuming. Can I do two? Two real quick. Make them quick. Okay. One is the book we've been reading for book club, which is called White Fragility, mm. which I have really enjoyed isn't the wor- right word, but like really I feel like gotten a lot from. It's a book about why white people are so Fragile. difficult to talk to about racism. Uh. Um, it's just, there's so much to go into that I can't really get into it here, but it's it's well well worth a read or two reads or three reads because it just it makes you reflect on your own beliefs and sociological you know under currents and it's it, it's just really really enlightening um so white fragility i would strongly recommend and that just for background is like from the perspective of a mm-hmm. woman a white woman who works with she she, like she is goes part into of, yeah, like a diversity, equity, and inclusion training for workplaces. Yeah. yeah. So she's seen a lot of fragile white people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Haven't we all? And then, <laughs> and then my second thing I would recommend, oh my God, is Derek. Oh, yeah. Oh my I goodness. About I was that. sick last week with bronchitis and I blazed through a season and a half of Derek on Netflix. It's a show with Ricky Gervais, and um, he plays this guy who lives and works at a retirement home and just all the things that happen there. And it's this perfect blend of, like, sad and really funny and just feels very true to life. And you forget Ricky Gervais is Ricky Gervais in it. He's I think he does a really great job at transforming completely into a different person. You watched an episode of it. You mm-hmm. liked it. Yeah, it's it's intense. It's uh, it is funny as you would expect Ricky Gervais so to be. It is also very heartfelt. It is. Yeah, you you got to be ready for the whole package. Don't oh, go into so it thinking good, you're getting though. straight drama or comedy. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Anyway, Derek on Netflix and White Fragility. Yeah, in books. Thank you so much for listening today. You can hear more content like this from our sister wife podcast from U to O, hosted by my co-host, Margaret. There's going to be an episode about bees coming soon. So Ooh, be ready. Be ready. Buzz, buzz. The, the, there's lots of buzz about it. You stop. Honey, you need to stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions is a podcast produced by Two Birds, One Scone. Articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve our environment can be found at www.twobirdsonescone.org. And if you are all commenting there, it'll be like a hive mind. Just read the script.
We set up an email account, so if you have scientific misconceptions that you would like us to cover, or you want to provide feedback to us, positive only, please, please email us at don'tpeeonyourleg at gmail.com. Have a great week. Do you think if we get negative emails, we get over the sting? Oh. That's all I got. Um, no, 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 I've got more. My thorax. No. Nope. <laughs> Every morning you honeycomb your What's on my head? Hair. Why are you looking up at my head? Comb. You honeycomb oh. your hair. <laughs>